Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. How are we? Uh, yeah, not bad, not bad. What were you up to uh, last night? Last night, um, so we're recording this on the 2nd of March at 6.22am. Uh, last night was the Islam Channel Business Awards, which is good fun. Alhamdulillah, met some interesting people. And here we are recording a quite special podcast. Um, I've done I've done wudu for this podcast. Have you? Yeah. Is that why it's special? Inshallah. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Yeah, it was good actually. Last night was quite good. I came home with a hell of a lot of business cards. And a, and a massive hangover this morning. Yeah, it was. Um, <laughs> it was a bit of a bit of a bender. Yeah, the Islam Channel Awards are famous for uh, for that. For leaving everyone. I mean, there was there was so many, there was so many food options there, mm. like in terms of businesses. Yeah, yeah, really, honestly, quite, really remarkable. Actually, um, what's actually going on in the Islamic economy? in terms of businesses that are out there doing some really, really good stuff. Um, some of the guys that won awards last night, congratulations. Um, you know, really impressive stuff. And there was a really good comedian, actually. I forgot his name. Nabil something. Nabil, yeah, he was really good. He was very good. And, um, and it's interesting, actually. I was just thinking, it's like a microcosm of the Muslim community, isn't it? So they've got, they had Hajj and Umrah, they had food they had uh, fintech and like online businesses yeah halal, halal meat halal meat marriage websites yeah and then just loads of food websites yeah well not food websites food like outlets yeah and um and then they've got these big bulge bracket like institutionals yeah uh like arayan and stuff so that's that's like kind of mm. the the shape and the contours of the islamic economy yeah agreed no it was it was really good it was really good so, so what are we talking about today then? Today we're going to talk about uh, two topics, or well, one topic, a combination of topics that people don't often really like talking about, but needs to be talked about, which is finance and love. So marriage and the whole f- role that finance plays within marriage, how should you approach that between a husband and wife? Because it's quite difficult, right? Especially before you get married or even at the outset of marriage to approach topics like that are very difficult let alone during the actual course of marriage so i think what we're going to do is try and break it down so i I was working on an article yesterday on this very topic hence the podcast yeah and i think this is a topic that's not talked about often enough agreed and when it is talked about, it's talked about in a really legalistic sense. Yeah. And that's the topic of um, the role of finance in marriage and what the husband spends, what the wife uh, spends, hmm. what the you know the parents are supposed to spend and all of the stuff in, in between as well. And I think like the, the starting point with all of this is that the husband has... In Islam, the husband has absolutely all the responsibilities, and and that means literally all of the responsibilities. It, you know, the, the Quran is pretty clear on that. Uh, um, the uh, the Quran is clear when even after divorce, 
you're supposed to look after your kids and you're supposed to look after your wife if she's looking after your kids for a period of time. So let alone, you know, in your actual marriage, mm. when you're not divorced, you definitely have to be looking after your wife and kids. And, okay, so so that's the kind of legalistic sense, as you put it. What do you say then to the argument that that whole kind of construct is one that was designed for a society that is not ours? Because we are talking about a very different society there, aren't we? We're talking about a society where, you know, when, when the Qur'an was revealed, uh, you know, women primarily didn't work the same way that they work now. They didn't have access to the same sort of financial facilities that they have now and so on and so forth. So is is it is it almost a bit rich, forgive the pun, for, um, you know, a, a wife to say, you know, my money's my money and your money's my money, essentially. Um, interesting. So I'm actually, funnily enough, giving um, uh, a course on feminism and the role of women in Islam next week mm. uh, at the Heritage Centre. And uh, this is kind of the one of the critiques that, uh, you know, the, the some of the uh, ultra-aggressive uh, feminists would make of, of Islam mm. and I think the answer is really that uh, firstly there are lots of women who still are housewives or who still want to have kids who still want to have large periods of time when they are staying at home yeah and they're not earning so the natural way of the world at those at that point is that the husband maintains the family even in a non-muslim family right mm. and and so for them these rules still apply then the second thing is that for for muslims islam is uh is something that applies at all times and it applies at all times for a really important reason and that's it does what uh, is natural and what's right and what's the you know the best uh, you know, and most conducive to create a system of uh, society that uh, that actually uh, is able to uh, flourish and you know to achieve what Allah Subhanahu wa Taala wants us to achieve, mm. and for us to uh, you know live Islam fully. I know that sounds really wishy washy, but that's my wishy washy way of saying that uh, ultimately. Islam has a very essentialist view on life, mm -hmm. which is that men have a role and a purpose, and they are their bodies and their menta mentalities are designed for that. And women have a role and a purpose, and their body bodies and roles are designed for that. And that doesn't mean that you know what I'm saying here is that a man doesn't do housework mm. or a woman can't work. Not at all. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is that within the family sphere there is definitely a uh, there's definitely a structure and you are even today you ask any um, any girl would does she want to be wooed or does she want to be you know you know made feel special and looked after and does she want a man who's taller than her uh, you know does she want someone who's going to protect her and maintain her in the you know the classic words of the Quran, mm. the answer to all of that is always yes, and 
And so I think sometimes we have to be uh, we have to be unapologetic in that Islam has a specific worldview on on what men and women do, and 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 that's not anything to be you know ashamed of. And actually, Islam is in the early traditions of feminism. They actually had to really fight for things like you know inheritance rights mm. and the right to be a separate legal entity, yeah. um, and not just be like seen as like a slave or property of the husband. Yeah. And Islam has always given that. But yeah. where Islam, I think, veers away from uh, the modern strands of feminism is in the last twenty, thirty years, where I think the modern feminists, at least some of the modern fem- feminists, they've they've unfortunately thought that rights is all about complete equality yeah and and actually they're now ending up fighting for things that frankly men are good at um you know so you if you want to have equal access to uh, the jobs of a soldier or a bin man that's not you know that's not going to be easy for a woman to do yeah. or a you know someone who works in a building site that's not going to be easy for a woman to do so why are you campaigning for that that's using a metric that men are going to be, you know, uh, uh, they're going to succeed at. So, um, so yeah, I suppose that's a really long way of <laughs> answering your frankly quite simple question. Um, okay, and then so we, we can okay, so we can say that you know men men are ultimately responsible for the financial affairs. What what if you happen to marry some sort of princess or something like that? You know, you're a man of humble means. Doesn't every man uh, ha- marry, a princess? Ma- marry a princess? I'm, I'm, well, I mean, I'm sure they do, but... Does your wife listen to this podcast? I'm not sure. Um, we'll just cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> so what if a man of relatively simple means ended up marrying royalty? How, how does that work? What does Islam say about the, the actual... Because it's one thing to say... Yeah, you know, the man is responsible for everything. But the actual practicalities of life are very different. So yeah. I, I know some guys who have married, you know, frankly, above their punching above their weight. Yeah. Um and they've married into some uh in some cases very successful families who have whose daughters have very particular lifestyles. How does Islam go about that whole thinking? If you're gonna say that men are responsible for all the financial affairs where does it where's where's there a line drawn does a man get to say well i'll provide your food and drink but i won't provide your gucci handbags for example yeah good point there's uh two general principles here first is that when you marry a woman then you need to um, essentially maintain the kind of lifestyle that she had before marriage after marriage uh, and that's in the absence of communicating to her that you're going to, uh, you know, you're you're not going to be able to do that. And so you actually set parameters within the marriage contract yeah. that look, I, I'm I'm essentially not as affluent as your dad. I'm broke. So you're not going to be driving around in a Bentley. Yeah. But um, but yeah, if you're if you're happy with a, a Fiat Punto, then you know, be my guest. And you're going to pay the insurance as well because it's bloody expensive. <laughs> uh, we'll jump onto your dad's fleet insurance. Um, and and then the other principle is that uh, you should, 
as a husband, you're required to pay what is reasonable and what is sufficient or what is, uh, yeah, what is sufficient for your wife and your children to live a de- you know, a decent uh, standard of like, you know, the, the median standard of what a man of your um, earnings would be able to give them. Yeah. And, uh, and that means then, therefore, that, you know, if, uh, if your wife is, has a penchant for Gucci handbags, then, you know, maybe you buy one. I don't know. Maybe you actually buy one. But, but then after that, when she buys the third or fourth one, that's where you kind of say, look, um, it's up to you to do that yourself. And, and yeah, and, and the same for your children. I mean, you, you need to uh, uh, provide for them from the middle of, you know, the median of what you're, uh, what you're earning, uh, what you're, some, a man of your earnings would be able to. But then after that, it's kind of, I mean, you can spend on them and that's great. It's uh, it's a charity to spend on them and you get rewarded for it. Yeah. But but from a legalistic perspective, there's no requirement to. Coming up after the break, we're discussing the actual practicalities of life. Moving from the form of our religion to the spirit of our religion. How should actual real married Muslim life look like when it comes to finances? If you're listening to this podcast, you're clearly someone who cares about your finances and doing things in the correct halal way. And that's why we at islamicfinanceguru.com are really excited to announce the launch of our newest course, Halal Investing for Busy Professionals. In this course, we're finally bringing what many people have been asking us for, a complete breakdown, review and a full analysis of all the best halal investment options out there for busy people like you to start tucking their money into and start making your money work for you. Now at Islamic Finance Guru, we're at the pulse of halal investment and from our impartial standpoint, we filter the wheat from the chaff. So if you're a busy person looking for good halal investment options that don't need a stock market whiz, check out our course, Halal Investing for Busy Professionals at islamicfinanceguru.com forward slash courses and if you sign up now there's discounts until the date of launch which is the 15th of june and those discounts are decreasing every single week so head over there now and now we're going to head back to the podcast and then what about are there any responsibilities the other way from just a pure financial perspective on the woman yeah so i mean technically no there isn't but then this is now where we go from like the 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 form of the of our religion to the the spirit of our religion because the nikah is a contract and it's as a contract as a rental agreement or a, a purchase agreement that we would enter into at work it's it's like that kind of contract in Islam, and that's how you would um, understand it. And you can negotiate nikah contracts, where you can add in things like the wife uh, will uh, ha- will be able to work, for example, or you can work in things like uh, the husband will pay for the education, or that the husband is only allowed to have one wife. Essentially, the husband um, is waiving certain other. Uh, otherwise standard rights that he has yeah and you can build that into the contract and or and you could build in things around divorce as well that the wife has the right to be divorced if xyz happens yeah uh, potentially automatically and and that's just a contract but the problem here is i'm not 
at all saying that people should be negotiating this stuff. Yeah. Because I, I, it's like a, a bunch of aggressive emails before they go. <laughs> we cannot agree to this point. Yeah, and then you get like a conference call with a <laughs> with a lawyer. So yeah, I I, I represent uh, Miss. Uh, I emphasise the word Miss Patel. Yes. And um, the the Nicola contract you sent over is uh, we weren't expecting this this drafting. It seems quite aggressive in, it, in, it, in its current form. This cannot this cannot go ahead. Yeah, and um, uh, and and I mean for a start, the governing law. Is, is, is English law, and uh, we uh, we are of the view that it should be Islamic law. Yes, uh, that, that would actually be quite a funny sketch to do. You know, maybe we should do it. That is actually not a bad shout. I'll do. I think we should do a sketch. Let's, uh, so, audience, look out for it on uh, on YouTube. In yeah, the coming weeks. Interesting. I, I could quite look forward to that. <laughs> the only question is, will someone have to be the wife? No, nah, they won't. Will they? We can no, just do two lawyers. Yeah. That would actually be quite interesting. Anyway, don't don't do that, guys. Is is a is a take home <laughs> message. Uh, don't negotiate your contracts because it's not in the spirit of Islam, and it's not it, the wife technically does not have as, any financial responsibilities to answer your question. I mean, unless I suppose there's a real need to negotiate your contracts. If there's like a very specific point that's yeah. particular to a, a, you know a man and a future wife yeah and, and and in a way the important stuff is kind of agreed verbally anyway and a verbal agreement is also a contract right yeah uh so like m- my wife she said she wanted to work after marriage yeah and um and that was fine we didn't write it down yeah but that was agreed and um and that's what she's done so um but but then i think coming back to the whole financial response responsibility thing if you're a wife, and particularly in our day and age, when a lot of women are working, there I think it makes sense for a woman to contribute a little bit. Mm. But that's from you know the ihsan or the perfection of the woman yeah. that she feels like she can contribute whatever she thinks is adequate, like yeah. a petrol payment here or, or some grocery there, or like a, you know... F- gift for the family or like some kind of random thing that she buys yeah and i think i mean the way i approach this whole thing is that it's all about like you said before there's one sense of legalistic and there's one sense of just practical reality and if if you know as a husband and wife that if the wife isn't going to chip it if the wife's earning money and the wife isn't going to chip in for x amount this month or something yeah. like that then the reality is then you know we can't make this payment yeah and we are going to be in default somewhere yeah it would be kind of stupid yeah um for a wife to turn around and say oh no but i'm not technically obliged to do this yeah so i'm not going to do this the reality is that marriages just don't work that way yeah and there is a lot to say here about just being two individuals who are in a marriage, you might even have kids, and just doing things that are sensible. Yeah, and Agreed. you know, you can you can say everything quite rightly about what Islam has to say, um, but sometimes, as a as a woman, to kind of stick really hard to, well, I have this right, and you have to sort this out. Yeah, can lead to problems potentially. I mean, yeah. what what if, for example, a wife insisted on that sort of thing and a, and, a, and a man then had to turn to crime for instance 
started, started selling drugs on the street corner. That's a left field turn that I was not expecting. <laughs> he started selling drugs on the street corner to, uh, you know, fund this Gucci handbag habit. Maybe that's what happened to um, the that crime lord. You know that crime lord who got arrested recently? No. Uh, what was it called? El, El uh, Chapo, I want to say. All right. That Mexican dude right. who got arrested, who was like a multi-billionaire, and who tunneled out of uh, this high-security prison to escape. Right. So he's been shipped off to America now. Really? Where it's unlikely he'll be able to escape. SubhanAllah. But maybe at some point his wife was like... Maybe she just had, you know... He was just fueling a Gucci handbag habit. Yeah. And I, don't, I don't know why we're so insistent on Gucci. could have been, like, anything. I don't know. Cartier. Yeah, maybe. don't think they make handbags, though, but... Maybe, like, uh, Echmes. What's maybe. that? There's a waiting list for their handbags. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Well, uh, I'm not going to check them out, but... Um... <laughs> I think we should. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I think, coming back to your point, it's such an important point. And this, and it, by the way, this is for husband's right as well. I mean, the husband has basically uh, a few rights, but one of them is, you know, um, sexual exclusivity, right? And and there's this... Um, and also the the husband has the right to be uh, ultimately like when when a decision needs to be made then as a default the husband it, fall, it would fall to the husband to make the final call should it need to be made and the problem with that uh, with that scene in black and white is that husbands with a, a little little understanding of islam or frankly maybe it might be a lot of understanding of islam but a little practicality yeah they'll be like oh but you know islam tells me that yeah i'm allowed to decide if that cupboard <laughs> is going to be black or white yeah or if, and that's where you get a lot of problems isn't it and islam tells me that you um have to uh you know do whatever x y and z yeah but the thing is it and this, you know what, is surprising. This is not just educated, uneducated families. It's mm. not just religious, non-religious families. It's just, it can crop up anytime, anywhere. Mm. And and I think that's the biggest poison, the biggest uh, cancer, dare, dare I say, mm. um, on Muslim marriages today, which is just a lack of practicality mm. and just being really demanding and really... Uh, as I said, legalistic mm. uh, about the, everything. That the real heart of a successful marriage is that you are, you, you just give. Yeah. You and and forget about taking. You just give. And if you keep on giving, then there will be giving, giving and taking. And you know the yeah. other the other side will will help you out. Yeah. No agreed. Um, in the time that we've got left, let let's talk about some really practical points then. So things that come up in marriage, especially early doors, you've got a few decisions to make. So I'm just going to fire off a few and then maybe let's shoot yeah. a breeze on it. Um, zakat, um, does a husband pay it jointly or do, does the individual pay it on their own thing? So uh, I believe there's there's a difference of opinion. I, to be honest, I'd have to look into it uh, just to double check. Uh, but zakat is due on a person's wealth, mm. so it falls upon the individual themselves. Yeah. And generally, and generally speaking, for women, that comes to the gold that they yes. have. Yeah. And they, uh, and so the the Ubandi Hanafi opinion is that you have to pay 
uh, zakat on your wealth, mm. uh, inclu- and that includes gold. Yeah. My my personal view is that if there are there's a distinction between gold uh, that you wear regularly yeah. Yeah. and gold that's just basically a savings for you. That you hoard. Uh, yeah. In the antithesis of the Quran. Yeah, exactly. You've got like <laughs> you've got it hiding away in like yeah. the freezer. I don't know why Muslims put the really yeah gold in the freezer for some reason. That's a new one. Yeah, and like just we're not we're not giving advice by the way to like thieves. Yeah. They don't put it in the freezer, do they? Well, no. these days, the gold thieves, they, they've been hitting up Ilford and right. all the London uh, Muslim areas in London. Really? They turn up with a gold like metal detector type thing. Wow. And uh, because they know Muslims have got a load of yeah. cash at home. Yeah. And they just clean them out. SubhanAllah. So. Um, You've got to get a safe. Yeah. And also you, you have to give zakat on it. So there we are. So uh, so what so what was your view on the gold giving of zakat? Oh so gold? yeah so as in you I I think I'm of the view that if you're using a certain amount of gold every day so it's in your everyday use yeah then that's not really savings that's part of your dress or part yeah. of your uh, use um, whereas if you're if there's chunks of gold that you're basically just keeping as savings then even if they are in the form of potentially jewelry yeah. then that would be something that you should give zakat on. Right. And so uh, stuff that you wear every day wouldn't be zakatable in your view. Uh yeah. Okay. So yeah, I mean that's that's the approach that I take in terms of zakat as well. Um I prefer that it's just With your gold jewellery. Yeah, my my gold jewellery that I wear every day I don't pay zakat on. Um no, more that I just prefer the clean structure of each of us paying zakat separately. Yeah. yeah. Um what about then? As a god of fitr, on the other hand, that's paid for the yes, family. Yeah. So that's different. I think yeah. that's maybe where the confusion sometimes come from. Um, maybe, but I'm not sure. But I do know that quite a lot of Muslims do pay sort of as a joint thing. Yeah. Um, I just think it's a lot cleaner, and the way I, the way the way that we thought about it was that we're ultimately going to both individually be responsible for this obligation of zakat. Um, yeah. And so it's probably more sensible to do it this way. The only thing to add to that, though, is that if you're if you're a housewife, you've got a bunch of gold, then it would amount to having to potentially sell some of that gold to, in order to, to raise liquidity. Yeah. So in that case, I think that's where you can have a conversation with your husband <clears> and, <throat> you know, <laughs> either get him to pay or or sort it out amongst yourselves. Yeah, because just, just lend it. Presumably, not lend it. Well, just give give the money. Well, he could. I don't know. Like the technicalities of it, it would be he would gift it to you, and then you would give it away. Yeah. Um. Although, yeah. I mean, whatever. It's all semantics. Yeah. Um. What about then, in a similar spirit, things like joint bank accounts or single bank accounts? I mean, personally, my approach is again. I mean, you'll know that I like things quite neat and tidy in terms of structures. So we both have separate accounts um we've got a joint one for savings that we kind of pool together if we yeah. know we've got a big like when we were saving for hajj for example yeah and both of us were working full time yeah we'd both allocate money individually to that joint account and then we paid our hajj money out of that joint account right so it's very much a kind of this is an account where we pool money together for specific projects yeah um but in terms of our day-to-day stuff 
you know, my money goes into my account, her money goes into her account, I take care of probably 99% of the expenses. Yeah. Um, and her money kind of funds maybe day-to-day stuff. Her, to her extravagant it. lifestyle. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Hang on, so how does that work? Do you, Does she have access to your... like? Presumably she does the groceries sometimes and um, she, has to, she has to have some, like, access to your account. So for the bigger shops, we tend to do online. Interesting. Because our time is at a premium. Ocado. Usually Asda, but not for any particular reason. Right. Um... Maybe we'll we revise that opinion. I never expected that of you. Why? It's not little, is it? True, but neither is little online. I don't actually shop at little yet. Do you not? No, not that's yet. what we got. I think Aldi actually is. I think the fruit's supposed to be good there, isn't it? Aldi apparently has award-winning nappies. Do they? Well, I say yeah, apparently, we, as if I don't know. It, we, it does. We tried Aldi nappies, but they didn't agree with our kids. Really? Yeah. Some sort of snobbery in the DNA. Is it? Yeah. We, 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 From we, the buttocks we, upwards. <laughs> <laughs> we went back to Aldi and we're like yeah the kids don't agree with it and they're like yeah your kids are just snobs really yeah so Allah anyway um, so yeah so that's what that's what we do so for the bigger shops we'll do online and I'll just pay from my card or like my, my details are in the account yeah 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 um, for day to day stuff where she just needs to pick up like a bottle of Calpol or I don't know whatever it is yeah she can just she just pays for that um, if it if her financial situation gets a bit hairy yeah. Then, obviously, she can just say, "Can you send over five hundred quid or something?" Yeah, yeah. And I'll just send it over. Interesting. But I just think it's a lot cleaner to have separate bank accounts. People do it very differently, of course. Yeah, this is the other thing. I th- I think it's basically whatever works for you. Mm. It there's no Islamic answer to this. Yeah. And and people are always quite reluctant to talk about it as well, which is why yeah. I'm deliberately being quite open yeah. because there's no reason. Yeah. To not be, yeah. So it's like some. I know some women, some men. They send over a, like a monthly stipend. Yeah, so I, I used to do that when she stopped working. Yeah, that can make sense because there's nothing going into the account. Yeah, so almost as a replacement of a salary, um, because it's one thing taking money from me for the needs that we both jointly have to run the house. Yeah, but there's also an element of you know she'll just want to do stuff and yeah. buy stuff. Go down to William Hill and put a few bets on. Yeah, that that kind of thing. Um, in her in her niqab. <laughs> Can you imagine? That would be fantastic. That would be a good sketch as well. Maybe we should... Uh, yeah, but for that we'd have to go into William Hill ourselves. With a niqab on. There's a Paddy Power in Ilford Lane where I live <laughs> and um, it's just completely surrounded by a bunch of very shady looking characters all, at all times. And uh, it's like the most thriving shop I've ever seen. I think uh, we, I think we should think about sending someone in with a niqab. You think? And just uh, and just outing people. <laughs> so, I saw you at Maghrib. <laughs> what are you doing here? So yeah, so I mean, from from our side, we have a shared account which we basically don't really use. Hmm. Um, we just I just transfer over some money to her sometimes from into it. And, and then, then she'll transfer, transfer it out. Yeah, we do that as well. That's Which is, I think it's just from a practicality perspective. Because it's easier, easier from your apps. Yeah. 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 But, uh, but yeah, I, I do, I do give uh, my wife uh, some of you some money. Um, well, like, I think I've got like a direct debit set. I don't know exactly how much it is. Um, it's like not, certainly not 500. Mm. Certainly not. I think it might be uh, between 100 and 200. I can't remember exactly. Mm. And, and obviously she's earning, um, so she works as um, a doctor, 
uh, junior doctor part-time so she has some money but it's not like uh, you know she, I think she would struggle to support a family on her own let's put it that way yeah of course um, so uh, yeah and then she I think she actually spends um, a fair bit of her own money on especially her own like clothes and stuff and um, yeah I, I to be honest I don't really I she has my she has an Amex American Express card mm. which is basically linked to my account yeah. So whenever she needs, she need, she decides essentially where she's going to put that money, that yeah. tab on. Yeah. And if there's a large expense, she generally asks me uh, that, um, are you all right for me to buy this? Yeah. And I generally say yes mm. without looking at what she's buying. Yeah. And then later when it's actually bought, I'm like, what, <laughs> what, what's going what on What on earth is this? I know. Um, yeah, no, we, we've pretty much got a similar thing. Where, I mean, it's a bit of a common sense thing as well. Where anything that's relatively small, you can just... Just buy it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. That's what we do with the Slime Finance Guru as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um and then I suppose one of the yeah, an interesting thing is that the Amex uh app mm. is linked so she's got the Amex app on her phone <clears throat> and I'm, and I've got it on my phone, mm. but her notifications are not muted. So whenever I uh you know, happen to go down to all, <laughs> all bar one or like uh the the King's Arms or, or something. Paddy Power. Yeah, or Paddy Power then uh, she'll be like, what's going on here? Um, and then I'll be like, oh, it, yeah, it got stolen. <laughs> Let me um, cancel it. Let me freeze that. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. I think that's um, that's a good place to stop. We've basically said that there is a legalistic burden yeah. on the husband quite a heavy burden yeah but the practicalities of life and modern society mean that inevitably women are going to pitch in if they're earning yeah um and we also talked briefly about but they shouldn't feel the responsibility or the obligation to so in a way like this this podcast is if you're a woman and you're listening to this then I, then i think it's good from a just you know like a moral perspective or like an islamic ihsan perfection perspective to chip in now and then yeah but but that's not this is not designed for a husband to say oh look at those guys at Islamic Finance Guru who are saying that oh yeah. I should uh, you should spend on on the family because that is not what we're saying at all mm. yeah agreed um, and we also talked briefly about a couple of points that people come up up come up against in in marriage which are zakat and joint bank accounts and if you guys listening to it want us to talk about anything else because these are often quite tricky thorny subjects and it might be that certain things need potentially a full episode just yeah. talking about one thing get in touch with us either well send it to both of us mohsin at islamicfinanceguru.com and ibrahim at islamicfinanceguru.com and tell us what you would like us to explore in a podcast and we can get into that because there are lots of topics out there that are individual to to people but equally they're applicable to everyone so do reach out to us and if you are listening to this for the first time then if you've enjoyed the content which i presume you have if you've listened this far please do subscribe. <laughs> otherwise you're absolutely mad <laughs> yeah otherwise you're just crazy um please do subscribe and listen out for our weekly episodes inshallah and last but not least just like to thank our partners paddy power for <laughs> And uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't, I don't even know what to say to that. 
we, uh, well, they're paying us good money, Ibrahim. So I know, I know. We, we should give them a plug. Yeah, us. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> Paddy Power, Jazakallah. <laughs> I mean, they will actually. You know, Jazakallah means may Allah recompense you. So yeah, you have to say, like, yeah, well, you ended it with. I, don't, well, I suppose I didn't. I didn't say khair. <laughs> oh, did you not? But um, well, we're listening to the recording, aren't we? Yeah, maybe that. that yeah, Jazakallah khair to you guys, and we will see you on the other side. I'm not sure what exactly that means, but the other side of the week. The other side of the week. Well, that's what all like the big podcaster says, isn't it? See you on the other side. We'll see you on the flip side. Is that what they say? Well, there's one guy who says it, really? and um, and I feel like we should say it because, you know, learn oh. from the best, isn't it? All right. I'll... But I don't. I don't want to say. I don't want to say the flip side though because we'll see you in Jannah. Inshallah. Allah. I was going to say we'll see you a few days after Jumrah. <laughs> it's basically the same thing. Yeah. Exactly. It's true that. All right. Salaam alaikum. Wa alaikum.